Amen. Thank you, choir and orchestra. I'm looking forward to December the 16th. Let me just encourage you to be here that Sunday. Our choir and our orchestra will be uh, leading the service that morning. Uh, They'll be presenting to us a special in music as they did this morning. So I'm looking forward to that, and I know that you are as well. So let me just say thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for coming to Lindsay Lane Baptist Church. If you're visiting with us today, we want to welcome you to our congregation. Thank you for coming, and we do hope you'll come back and let us know who you are. We can get in touch with you and invite you, give you some information about Lindsay Lane. So thank you so much for coming this morning. You know, I had a uh, it was last night was real stormy, right? You do know that. It was stormy last night, and I had a bad dream. I dreamed I got mauled by a dog. You know how dreams go. It was terrible. And then I woke up in heaven. Can I get a witness? And uh, had a crown, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, uh, the Bible says, or people say, that God won't put more on you than you can bear. Right? So my TV went out with five minutes left in that game. Direct TV. Oh, my word. Now, I didn't cuss. I really didn't. I didn't cuss. I thought about it, but I didn't. And uh, I'm a little sore this morning. My wife had to put the paddles to me last, a couple times. But uh, anyway, I, it's just a game, isn't it? It's just a game. Say that with me. It's just a game. <laughs> I hadn't gotten there yet, but it's still just a game. It really is. But anyway, I'm glad that you're here today. And you know, uh, what a storyline, you know, just to say about that. And I know all of you, regardless of who you root for and all of that, you know, what a storyline of perseverance by Jalen Hurts. You know, it's just something, you know, you heard him say this. And I want to say this because we need to hear this. And our young people, you know, got a lot of our young people here today, got baptized today. You need to hear this. Perseverance. Trusting God, even when you can't see Him, when He doesn't show up and you don't understand, and everybody around you is going, you need to do this, you need to do that. But He listened to God. He listened to God, and God showed up. God's got a way of exalting you when you're obedient to Him, and you give Him glory and praise, even in bad times, bad situations, if you'll hang in there with God... God's got a way of exalting you and giving you an eye platform. I was praying this morning. It's unbelievable that where I've come from in my background, that I have a platform to lead this great church in the way of the Lord because God is merciful. God is not a respecter of persons. It doesn't matter who you are, what you are, and where you've been. If you will give God the glory... If you will exalt him and stay in there with him and don't quit, persevere, God will give you a platform that you can win people to Christ. I'm telling you, he'll do that because God's just looking for those who will be obedient and trust him with the things of God that we can share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I I thought about that, you know, and by the way, I want to tell you this from all of my heart to yours, it is just a game. Because you and I are in the game of life. That will fade away. But I'm telling you, the principles that we learn in our lives about the Lord Jesus Christ will endure forever. You better get serious about the game of life as we do a football game. 
Can I get a witness? All right? All right. Now open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 12. I just thought I'd add that because that's what really is the, in really the, the bottom line. The bottom line is this. It's when you trust the Lord, He will help you with your hurt. Amen? He'll help you with your hurt. All right. All right. Bottom line. All right. Revelation chapter 12. Now, in Revelation chapter 11, we saw the two witnesses that God raised up. They murdered them, and yet God raised them up from the dead. And we saw that last Sunday. And we saw the 24 elders, how they bowed down and worshiped. They left their throne and went before God's throne, and they worshiped Him. What a great picture last Sunday we talked about at the last part of chapter 11 of the worship of God. And now in chapter 12 and chapter 13, we're going to be introduced to the unholy trinity. All right? We know the holy trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're three in one. Did you know there's an unholy trinity? There is Satan, the dragon we're going to talk about. There's the Antichrist, and there's the false prophet. And so all of those have been used, if you will, in the last days, and they're the unholy trinity. Here's a statement I want you to look at on the screen. Look at this statement. We're going to kind of an introduction to our message today. Satan is the great enemy of the church. He fights against God and his people constantly accusing the saints in heaven and attacking them on earth. Satan is an imitator an imposter, and a counterfeit. He seeks to control men by means of deception. The beast is the future world dictator who promises to solve the pressing problems of the nations, and the false prophet is his propaganda minister. For a time, it appears that the satanic trio is succeeding, but in the end, their world empire begins to collapse. Jesus Christ has overcome the devil, and he gives us the victory to his people. The nations will assemble for one final battle, the battle of Armageddon. We're going to talk about that later on. When Jesus Christ appears, the battle's over. Amen? And we win. Now, in chapter 12, the stage is set for the dramatic appearance of the beast. And we'll talk more about the beast in chapter 13 next Sunday. Satan's masterpiece, the false Christ, the Antichrist, who is given a a period of control over the world. And also in chapter 12, during the middle, the middle three and a half years, if you will, of the Great Tribulation, Israel will be confronted with the worst wave of anti-Semitism has ever been known. By the way, including the Holocaust. And so we know that the devil hates God. He hates Israel. He hates God's people. And he wants to destroy all of them. And so we're going to look at that today, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about. I want to introduce you to another trio today. As we look at this very quickly, a trio, we're going to look at the woman, the child, and the dragon. Verse number 1 of chapter 12, we're going to look at, first of all, in your outline, we're going to look at the woman. The woman. Verse 12, chapter 12, verse 1. Now, a great sign appeared... A symbolic, there's a lot of symbolism in Revelation, as you well know. A great sign appeared in heaven. Now, what was this sign that John writes in chapter 12, verse 1? It was a woman. A woman clothed with the sun and with the moon under her feet. 
the sun and the moon was under her feet. And on her head, a garland of 12 stars. Now, as we look at that, who is this woman? Uh, who is this woman that we're looking at in verse number 1? Well, the Christian science, scientists say that it is Mary Baker Glover Patterson Eddy. They believe that the male child that she bore began the Christian scientist movement. The Roman Catholics say that this woman is Mary, the mother of Jesus. They portray her as a pregnant with child and her assumption into heaven. Why would a pregnant woman go into heaven when Jesus was born on earth? Now, some Protestants say that this church, that this woman represents the church. But the church didn't give birth to Christ. Christ gave birth to the church. Amen? And so the symbolic woman can be no other than Israel itself. So this woman in verse 1 portrays is symbolic of the nation of Israel. It was through Israel that Jesus Christ came into the world. It was through Israel, through the lineage of David, through the nation of Israel. The Bible and history validate that, by the way. And so we believe the woman was Israel. Now in Romans chapter 1, verse 3, Jesus, Bible says Jesus was born of the seed of David. David was the king of Israel. Now I want you to look in Romans chapter 9. So I want you to see this. Romans chapter 9. Turn there with me, if you will. Right after the book of Acts. The book of Romans. And look in uh, chapter 9, verses... Uh, Four and five. And by the way, if you can't find these, just write them down on your outline. They're on the screen. All right, Romans chapter 9. And I want you to look in, uh, if you will, in verse 4 and 5. Very quickly. Notice what Paul writes to church at Rome. We are Israelites to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, and the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises. Now watch verse 5. Of whom are the fathers and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came. So Christ came from Israel, if you will, the seed of Israel, who is over all an eternal blessed God. The Old Testament often refers to Israel as a woman, even in her travail. Listen to this verse of Scripture. Isaiah 66, 7 confirms this. But she was in labor, speaking of Israel, she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came, she delivered a male child. Now, physically, I know that can refer to Mary because she was the mother of Jesus on earth physically. But symbolically and spiritually, this woman is Israel. Now, notice something else in verse number 1. She is clothed. Now, notice that. This woman is clothed with what? The sun and the moon under her feet. Now, what is that all about? Again, symbolic. If you'll read Genesis chapter 37, verse 9, but read verse, uh, chapter 37 of Genesis in verse 9, Joseph had a dream. Remember that? I think we studied that this morning in our connect group. Some of our connect groups talked about Joseph or Jacob this morning. But Joseph had a dream in Genesis 37, 9, the, he saw the sun and the moon and the eleven stars bow down to me, Joseph said. He had this dream. The, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars, they bow down to me. You need to go back and read that. Now, what does that mean? The sun represents Jacob. Jacob, if you will, is Israel. The moon would represent 
Rachel, his wife, who was under him, if you will, under his feet, and the 12 tribes of Israel would represent the diadems, or those, uh, verse number 12, the garland, if you will, the 12 stars would represent the 12 sons of Jacob and of Rachel, and that would be the, the 12 tribes of Israel. And so we get a picture of this woman. Now, secondly, in this trio of Israel, we see, number two, the child. The child. Look in verse number two. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. Again, symbolically, it's Israel. Physically, it would be Mary. We know that Mary gave birth to Jesus. And so we look at this child. And so the, the woman gave birth to this child. Now, who is this child? Who is the child that he's speaking of here in verse number 2? Well, in Romans chapter 9, we just saw it was the seed of Israel, Christ the Son of God. The Old Testament prophesies that. Now, in Isaiah chapter 9, in verses 6 and 7, the Bible, Isaiah the prophet, prophesied the birth, if you will, or the coming of this child, the Son, Son of God. For he says, unto us a child is born. Now, who's the us? The us is Israel. He's speaking of Israel, the prophet of Israel. For unto us is born a child, a, son, a child is born. For unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now notice this, verse 7. Of the increase, his government and peace, there will be no end forever. Upon the throne of David, there it is again, the seed of David, upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, the kingdom of Israel, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, I want you to notice something. As we continue to get into this text and get into the meat of this, I want you to notice in uh, chapter 12, verse 4, and look in uh, the last part of that. Notice what it says. A dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth. She was ready to give birth. The dragon was there to devour her child as soon as the child was born. The dragon was there to devour the woman's son. Now, just as soon as this child born, the devil tried to destroy Jesus. He's been trying to destroy him ever since. And so the conflict, if you will, with the Satan and the woman goes as far back as the Garden of Eden. Now, I want you to listen to this passage of Scripture. It'll be on the screen, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. Notice what happened. God's speaking here to, to Adam and to the devil, if you will. I will put enmity, that means hostility. I will put enmity, hostility between you, Satan. And he's speaking to Satan here. You need to go back and check it out, read it. I will put enmity, hostility between you, Satan, and the woman. And the woman. The woman is Israel. And between your seed, Satan, and her seed, capital S, Israel, that would be Jesus. Now, who is the seed of Satan? Who's he referring to there? That would be the Antichrist, the ones that come from Satan, the, the unholy trinity, the false prophet, uh, and the Antichrist. And he says this, He shall bruise your head, Satan. And by the way, Jesus did that at Calvary. He bruised him. He defeated Satan at Calvary because he overcame sin and Satan. And you shall, and you shall, Satan, bruise his heel temporarily. Temporarily. 
you shall bruise his heel. Now that's the prophecy of the, the devil trying to destroy the Lord Jesus all the way from, from the beginning of the Garden of Eden. Now here's a truth in your outline. Throughout Old Testament history, Satan tried to prevent the birth of the Redeemer. He tried to prevent the birth of Christ, our Redeemer, because he knew what was coming. And he tried to prevent that. And God gave him a season, if you will. And so Satan's attempt to destroy the Christ child. Now, he's been trying to do that ever since. For instance, Satan moved upon Pharaoh to destroy all the male Hebrew children. Remember that story? And then God did what? From the seed of Israel, he raised up Moses, the Hebrew child. God rose him up. Satan was trying to, he moved on Pharaoh to kill all the Hebrew children. But yet God raised up and saved Pharaoh. What about, fast forward to the New Testament, what about King Herod? King Herod was afraid of Jesus too, and he had all the babies in Bethlehem slaughtered. And yet God raised up Joseph to carry, to carry Jesus to Egypt. And you know that story at Christmas. So God warned Joseph in a dream by an angel. And so he protected him. And then uh, one Friday afternoon, about 3 o'clock, the day before Passover, Satan once again thought that he had destroyed or was destroying the Lord Jesus Christ. And he earnestly, earnestly tried to achieve this victory at Calvary. He was wringing his hands. I got him. He's crucified. And then three days later, amen, three days later, just like God raised up those two witnesses last week in chapter 11, God raised up the Son of God out of the tomb, out of the grave, and gave him victory over even death and sin and even the devil. Amen? Look in verse number 5. What child is this? We're going to be singing about this at Christmas. What child is this? That God would rule the nations with a rod of iron. Look in verse 5. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations and with the rod of iron. And her child was called up to God. Look at that. And his throne. So he arose, the Christ child was crucified, and yet he arose, he was called up to the throne of God. And the Bible gives validity to that. Look in Revelations chapter 2, if you will, with me. Revelations chapter 2. I want you to watch this. Revelations 2, this is prophecy from Psalms chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Look what the Re Jesus said in Revelations 2, 27. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessel. Now, if you will, look at Revelations 19. Hold your place there in chapter 12 and look at Revelations 19 and verse 15. Revelations 19 and verse 15 also gives evidence that Jesus Christ is going to rule the nation with a rod of iron. Now, out of his mouth, Jesus, out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it, he should strike the nations. And again, the final battle will be Armageddon where he strikes all the nations that come against Israel and comes against God. And he himself will rule them with the rod of iron. And so we see who this child really is. It's the Christ child. This, this is Christ the King whom shepherds watch and angels sing. This, 
This is Christ the King. Amen? This child is Jesus. He's our Savior, He's our Lord, and He is our King. So, we see the woman, and we see the child. There's a third person to this trio that we're looking at in chapter 12. Speaks a lot about it, so I'm going to spend a little time on this number three, and it is the dragon. It's the dragon itself. Now, let's look up in verse number three, and look what happens. Verse three, and another sign appeared in heaven. The first sign that he mentioned was the woman. The woman appeared, a woman clothed with the sun and with the, with the, with the, the, the moon and the 12, if the, the 12 stars or the 12 tribes of Israel. So we saw that and we saw the child. But there's another symbolic appearance in verse number 3 that appeared in heaven. Now what was that? It was, look what it says. A fiery, a great fiery red dragon with seven horns, with seven heads and ten horns, and seven diadems, that means crowns, on his head. You, you ever wonder where we get the picture of Satan at Halloween and other places where he's dressed in this red suit with horns? Well, right there it is. The Bible says he's a great fiery red dragon, if you will. And so uh, it's kind of a picture that we portray and what you see a lot of times that people have, a description of, of uh, Satan. Well, who is this dragon? Who is this dragon? What does the Bible say about the dragon? So I want to give you these four principles about the dragon. Number one, the dragon's description. How does chapter 12 of Revelation describe, if you will, this dragon? So number, number A is the dragon's description. Well, he's a fiery red dragon. We just saw that in, chapter, in verse number 3. The symbolic picture, by the way, isn't about how he looks. It's more about how what he does, how he is. He's, a, he's evil, he sheds blood. One of the reasons he's probably a red fiery dragon is because of the blood he sheds and the evil that he does. He's a vile creature by nature, a dragon, a serpent, a dragon and a serpent. There's a reference to that in Isaiah chapter 27 in verse 1 in the Old Testament. Isaiah wrote this, On that day... On that day the Lord, with his harsh, great, and strong sword, will bring judgment on Leviathan. He's referred to Leviathan, the serpent. The, capital L, the serpent. He will slay the dragon. Is, he will slay the dragon that is in the sea. Leviathan, he's referred to there as a serpent, even in the Old Testament. Now, notice something about him, the description that we have of of the dragon in verse number 3. He had seven heads, ten horns, and seven crowns. All of these are symbolic. And by the way, we'll talk more about this next Sunday when we get in chapter 13. We're going to look at the beast, and we're going to look at more about these ten heads and horns and those type of things. Also in chapter 17. When we get to chapter 17 of Revelation, it goes more into description about these seven heads and about the ten horns and all of that. But the seven horns refer to this one world government that is the revision of the Roman Confederacy of Nations. We're going to talk more about that. And then the ten horns represents the ten kings that will be represented. And, of course, the diadems are, are crowns. It represents authority that God has given, if you will, Satan and this dragon on planet Earth. So that's kind of the dragon's description. Now I want you to look at the B part in your outline, the dragon's departure. What's happened to this dragon and 
uh, who is this dragon? We're going to look at it, and we know that he's Satan. We'll talk about that just in a moment. It gives us in verse 9 a vivid description. Now look at Satan's departure. And I want you to look at verse 7 and following. And war broke out in heaven. And Michael, who is the archangel, Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. So there's a war in heaven with uh, the Satan and all of his angels and Michael and God's angels. Verse 8. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them. Speaking of the devil's angels, they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Now, this is going back before we even understand about existence. This is in war in heaven. Now, watch this. Verse 9. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old. Remember we talked about Isaiah a while ago? And also the serpent that appeared to who? Adam and Eve. The devil came to them in the form of a serpent. Now, look what he says in verse 9. The great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil. And Satan, who deceived the whole world, he was cast out to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accuses them, the devil does, before accused them before our God day and night has been cast out. And so we see this war in heaven, and it says that the devil himself and his angels were cast out of heaven. Jesus referred to this, by the way, in, in Luke 10, 18. Jesus said this, I saw Satan fall from, from like lightning from heaven. Jesus referred to that. In his omnipotence, he said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. All right? Now, and look at verse 4 again. Verse 4a. His tail, the dragon's tail, drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. Now, that's the devil and his angels. And we know that there was war in heaven, and a third of the angels were kicked out of heaven along with the devil himself. Now, I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah gives us a picture of this prophecy, if you will. Isaiah chapter 14. And look in verse 12. I want you to see this. This is very important to chapter 12 of Revelation to understand kind of what's happening in heaven. Now look in verse 12 of Isaiah chapter 14. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? That would be the devil, the dragon, Satan. How would you fall from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground, ye who weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven, and I will exalt my throne above the stars, or the angels even, of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation. I talked about this last week. The devil's going to be sitting there in Jerusalem. He's going to try to overtake the temple. Remember last Sunday's message? He's going to try to overtake the temple of God there in Jerusalem in the last days. And watch this. I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the far sides of the north, Mount Zion, and I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like God. 
I will be like the Most High, yet you shall be brought down to Skull. That's the abyss. That's where you go, preparation for hell, just like in heaven. You know, we're in, a, we're in a spiritual, we go to heaven spiritually as soon as we die, but our body goes back into the grave, waiting for the great resurrection. And so he's been cast down to earth, and it says you have been brought down to the abyss, the lowest depths of the pit. And we'll get to that where Satan is finally cast, and his angels are cast to the bottomless pit. Now, you see here in chapter, uh, Isaiah chapter 14, you see the fall of Satan. How Satan is prophesied to fall, but now he has a season. He has a season. There were war in heaven, and the devil was cast out. Now the devil, it speaks of here, the devil is a great accuser. What does that mean? That means the devil goes to God, if you will, and accuses you. And say, just look what you did. Look what they did. They're supposed to be Christians, blah, blah, blah. In Job chapter 1, verse 9 the devil accused Job before God. And God said, that's my man. Job's my man. So God gave the devil permission to, to test him. And you know how that story went. He's lost his children, had sores and all those kind of things. And yet in the end, he prevailed. God restored. God redeemed. But for a season, God has allowed the devil, if you will, to rule as the prince of this earth. And that's why a lot of bad things happening. Because there's sin in this world. There's, this, sin is ta- this world is tainted with sin. And the devil has a reign here. And the devil's trying to attack you and attack me. And we'll talk more about that just in a moment. But that's what he was referring to in, in verse uh, 4 of our text in chapter 12. Now, Satan's tail drew a third of the stars. The angels fell with him. Now, in Jude chapter 6, listen to this. Jude 6, or Jude 6 rather. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode... He was, has reserved in everlasting change until under the darkness of judgment of the great day. And so just like Satan, he's going to be defeated. He is defeated, foe. So is his angels as well. Now, look at the dragon's de- destruction. Look in uh, verse 4 again in verse 6. Look at the last part. And the, de- and the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as Jesus was born. And so ever since the devil was cast out, he's been trying to destroy God, he's been trying to destroy his son, and also his children. And along that path of destruction, he's been trying to destroy the Jews, the apostles, missionaries, evangelists, churches, homes, marriages, on and on. That's what the devil does. He's, he's a liar. He's a thief. He's a destroyer. And by the way, he knew he couldn't destroy Jesus, even though he tried. But now, if you can't destroy Jesus, the Son of God, what would be your next plan? To get God's children. Right? You see, if you couldn't get to me or Patsy, one of the ways you would kind of get to me if you mess with my children. And so that's what Satan's after. He's after the children of God. He's after your children, your grandchildren. Even in our day, he's roaring like a lion, seeing who he may devour. And so that's why we got to realize we have an enemy. We're in a spiritual warfare. we got to be conscious of that. And so he's trying to destroy us along with the Lord Jesus Christ. For example, he came as a serpent against Adam and Eve to attack her seed. He motivated Cain to murder Abel. 
And God raised up Seth from Noah. God still had that plan. He still had that seed of Abraham, if you will. And he raised up the seed of Seth to Noah. He motivated Esau to try to kill Jacob. We talked about this morning in our connect group, Israel. He moved upon Pharaoh. He moved upon Nero. He moved upon Herod. And he moved upon Pilate to destroy Jesus. He even moved upon the Pharisees and the scribes. That was a satanic for them to say, crucify him, crucify him. Who was behind that? Satan himself. And by the way, he's behind a lot of things here in our land today. He's trying to attack Christianity. We're reading about it every day. He's attacking Christianity. He moves upon nations like Iraq, Iran, Pakistan, Syria, Rwanda. He's behind all these genocides, these beheadings. He's the author of the Holocaust of Evil. And I'm telling you, he's the enemy, the number one enemy, if you will, of all of us is Satan himself. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He'll come to your house. He'll come to your pew. You know the devil goes to church. He does. He'll come to you. He'll come after you. That's why you've got to be strong in the Lord. You've got to know you're a Christian. You've got to know you belong to Christ. Because Christ has over defeated him. How do I over... I'm going to tell you in a minute. I'm about to get ahead of myself. How do I overcome him? All right? And so we see all of this symbolic things. The, by the way, those seven diadems represent uh, the crown. also represents the intelligence. You know that Satan is smart. He's sly. He can pull the wool over your eyes. Make you think something's good, and when it's not, he's the author of spiritual blindness. Where do you get that? 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Listen to this. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God, should shine on them. That's why I was so excited that I just want to stand up and shout when I saw these teenagers being baptized this morning. Didn't you? Because this is the next generation. The devil is after the next generation. He's after this generation and generations to follow. And so we see people come to Christ so they can defeat Satan for they have the power of Christ in them through the Holy Spirit of God. And so God protects us in verse number 6. Listen to verse 6. The woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,360 years. So the last three and a half years, God's protecting those. Watch this in verse 14 as well. The woman who was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a times and times and a half a time. That's three and a half years from the presence of the serpent. And so that's why Jesus in Matthew chapter 24 said, Listen, in the last days, flee to the mountain, flee to the desert. And all of those things, for God is protecting them from that great holocaust of the great tribulation time. Now, God protects us. By the wings of the eagle, we talked about that in uh, referred to in Isaiah, Exodus nineteen four. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings. 
and brought you to myself. And again, in Isaiah, he refers to mount up with eagle wings. Now, let me get the last thing, and I'll close. The devil's defeat. How are we going to defeat Satan? How do we, you and I, defeat Satan? Here it is in verse 11 and 12. Watch this. Verse 11 and 12. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath. But notice this, because he knows he has a short time. The devil's limited. God's unlimited. God's over. So how are we going to overcome Satan? How do we overcome this dragon called the devil? Jesus said in John 12, 31, Now is the judgment of this world that the ruler of this world would be cast out. So God has cast him out of heaven down to earth for a season, and he's trying to destroy all of us. And remember, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against the evil powers and rulers of this world behind Satan, the spiritual forces of darkness. Now, as we look at this, how do we overcome Satan? Well, there's three things I want to give you very quickly that it mentions here. He is accusing the saints. So the way you overcome him, number one, is through the blood of Jesus. The blood of Christ who was shed at Calvary to defeat sin and Satan. He's our advocate, 1 John 2, 2. He's our advocate. He's interceding for you. So when the devil goes to God and accuses you, here's what Jesus does. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Brother Randy, he's covered by my blood. He's a child of mine. Mm -mm, Get away from him. You can't have, he belongs to me. So we're covered by the blood of Christ. That's how you defeat Satan. Through Christ, he's defeated him for you, but you've got to be in him and he in you. That's what we call Christianity. So I invite Christ into our life to rule and reign our lives so we can defeat the spiritual warfare of Satan. And if you don't have it, you're a dead duck. And I mean forever if you don't have Christ. And how else? The Word, the Word of God, the Spirit of the Lord is how we defeat Him. That's what He's talking about. And by the testimony, the testimony of the saints. In Hebrews chapter 11, some were sawn in two. Some were beheaded. Some were put in sheepskins and put in the arena. All of those in their testimony. They didn't quit. They didn't give up on God. They went all the way to their death as martyrs for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what verse number... 11 is talking about the word of their testimony, how they did not love their lives to the death. They were martyred for Christ because they knew that Christ was in them. So that's how you overcome him, through the blood of the Lamb, through the word of your testimony. Do you have a testimony? Do you know that you have a place reserved for you in heaven? And when you're in spiritual warfare, do you know how to overcome that spiritual warfare? The devil's riled up. I'm telling you, by the way, did you hear me what I just read? His days are limited, and he knows it. Look in verse 15 through 17. Look what he's doing. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman. See, that means his vileness. That means his, 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 his cursing, his vileness, his evil, all of that coming out of him like a flood, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood, by the evil, But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. 
And the dragon was enraged with the woman, Israel. He still is. And watch this. We're seeing the prophecy to come. And, the, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring. Right? He hates Israel. He hates the Israelites. But he also hates us. And he's after us as well. The offspring of Israel would be reference to all of us who keep the commandments of God and have their testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know how I'm defeating Satan in my own life? Well, you're the pastor. You're supposed to defeat him. Mm-mm. I defeat him the same way you do. He's not a respecter because I'm a pastor or whatever. He's after me like he is after you. And the way I overcome Jesus Christ is I got saved in October of 1979. And ever since then, Christ has come into my heart, and I'm covered by the blood of Christ. And so when Satan comes at me, I can say, Satan, you're a defeated foe. That doesn't mean I won't have heartaches and problems because I live in the same sin-tainted world with disease, disaster, and destruction. It's all around us. But even that, like those Hebrew martyrs in chapter 11, whatever happens to me, I know I win. I know I win. Because I'm in the blood of Christ, and I have the Word of God in me, and that's the Word of my testimony. And so when David, the devil spews things at me and us in this world, when he spews out his hatred, his jealousy, his deceitfulness, his lies, when he spews all of that at you, you can just say, Mm-mm, I'm saved. I'm a Christian. I have Christ in my life. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. We just sang that song I love so much. We can overcome. We are overcomers by the word of the blood of Christ and the word of our testimony. Will you bow your heads with me? Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Dusty, I've been listening, I've been coming, or I've been in church or haven't been in church, but I've been listening to these messages in Revelation or Maybe some other, somebody spoke into your heart, somebody witnessed to you, somebody shared with you. The question I want to ask you today is, I'm telling you, Christ is coming back. It may be soon. He's coming back. Now, are you covered by the blood? Do you have the word of his testimony in you? When Satan comes to your house, comes to your marriage, to your children, to you, do you know how to handle him? Is he a defeated foe in your life? If he's not, you need to have Christ in you. It's not just going to church or reading the Bible or praying. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's how you defeat Satan. We win. We win in the end. And we win today, by the way. And so I would encourage you, if you never received Christ, today would be your day of salvation. That you would just come. We're going to help you. We're going to have pastors here. We're going to be talking with you. And we just say, hey. I want to be saved today. I want to know more about Jesus. I want to know how to become a member of this church. I want to join the church. I want to be part of this church. Maybe you need to be baptized. We'll talk to you about that. We'd love to help you. So all we want to ask you to do is come. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you speak into our hearts as you have through your word. And now through your spirit, Lord, would you draw us to you. No one can be saved unless the spirit of God draws them. And so, Lord, speak to our hearts. And I pray you would move upon us in your spirit, in the name of Jesus. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Would you stand with us?